Ragdog Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and welcome to another in our series of 2080 collected episodes. Our goal with these is to collect our coverage of top 2080 thrills and storylines in one place, so you can easily listen to them in one go. Great accompaniment to reading the 2080 collections that Rebellion and others publish, or just hear us talk about the good stuff without being interrupted by the other stuff. Mind the oranges! This time, we're having fun with those irascible space teens, Ernest Quinch and Waldo Diminished Responsibility Dobbs. D.R.N. Quinch! This dynamic duo of jerks began their, their adventures in a time twister in Prog 317. We continue to spread mayhem and merriment all through the 300 procs. These adventures were, of course, written by Archmage Alan Moore, with art by Alan Davis, and lettering by Steve Potter. Later in Prog 525, the lads, the lads would return for an agony page that ran for several progs, written by Jamie Delano and Alan Davis, with art still by Davis and lettering by the uh, lettering potters, Jack and Steve. You can find the complete DR and Quinch on the Rebellion web store or your preferred bookseller. The middle child of, two, of Alan Moore's 2008 Tales of Space Teenagers, DR and Quinch began their life as one-off characters in a silly future shock. That gave way to a recurring series. Alan Moore had done this previously with the character a- Abelard Snaz, the genius with a double-decker brain. But while those stories tended to just be single-issue adventures even once he was out on his own, D.R. and Quinch had much more spread out and extensive tales, usually while playing with tropes for existing types of stories. Whether it's dating, going to war, or getting a movie made, D.R. and Quinch bring an anarchic style and a dash of ultraviolence to everything they do. Since we've recorded these episodes, I've actually read a little bit of what the characters D.R. and Quinch are based on, National Lampoon's O.C. and Stig. Um, I've read parts of the utterly monstrous, mind-roasting summer of O.C. and Stiggs, and you can really see the voice that Moore is using in um, for D.R. and Quinch in, in this writing, as well as the general desire just to prank rich society types with both D.R. and Quinch and O.C. and Stiggs uh, share. I haven't seen the 1985 movie, but, um, you know, it's been covered by pretty much every bad movie blog and podcast out there, so I've got a pretty good idea of its quality. When reading D.R. and Quinch, it's important to look beyond Moore's amazing wordplay for all the little things that Alan Davis has packed in on the art. I always think of Have Fun on Earth as a masterclass and just hiding a punchline for a joke is on a second reading. You start to see the little hints of what that alien writing really looks like that lead up to the punchline and the big reveal doesn't quite come out of nowhere quite as much. There's a lot of little stuff like that hidden around DR and Quinch along with the best D- uh, Hollywood parody we've ever seen in 2000 AD with apologies to Wagner Grant and Bellardinelli. I should mention that this um, collection also features DR and Quinch Get Back to Nature from the 1985 sci-fi special, which is not in any of the complete editions of DR and Quinch so far as I can tell. And thanks to Dave from Where Eagles Dare for helping me out with that one. Anyway, let's get to the comics. <laughs> Episode 98. Progs 317. To 320. May and June 1983. Thrill 5. Time Twisters. Is that, is that a good map of good things to come, Conrad? It is when it comes to this first time, Twister. DR and Quinch have fun on Earth. Aw, yeah. 
Uh, script robot Alan Moore as E.E. E. Quinch. Art robot Alan Davis. Letting robot Steve Potter. Well, of course, remember Alan Davis from Harry 20 and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man. DR and Quinch, buddy. Um, first off, I want to say, Fox, there's an elf. Like, DR and Quinch are sort of, I'd say they're, if you want to list the characters that Alan Moore has created for 2000 AD, right? Like, mm. number one are Halo Jones and Halo Jones accessories. Uh, Skiz is probably three, and then DR and Quinch are two. Like, they're, like, the second, like, most famous and popular characters that he's created for 2008. The hair and, and giant tusks. That's right. Yeah, so the elephant in the room for DR and Quinch is that these guys are based on the National Lampoon characters, O.C. and Stiggs. Um, I, I will say that I like their affect, especially... Um, DR's like writing of like yeah he keeps writing his he, name on graffiti like taggy things definitely he constantly says like yeah totally yeah and no, it's like very this, very very close to the home yeah <laughs> but so uh, listen like there's two things I know about OC and Stiggs which is what DR and Quinch are clearly based on Fox one is that there was a movie made made about them that was directed by Robert Altman and it starred yeah, Dennis. Not good. Dennis Hopper, John Cryer, and Cynthia Nixon. And most people nowadays watch it as part of their, like, bad movie podcast or bad movie blog or something like that. No, I mean, like, don't, don't watch most, because it was National Lampoons, right? I believe I don't know if it was specific. Yeah, no, it was, it was National Lampoon. Yeah, it was specifically yeah, it branded was as that. Listen, and it comes, and it comes all, from that, all, like, thing. For one moment, Conrad. Yeah, please. Listen, at one point, Someone made one movie which incorporated the National Lampoon's name into mm-hmm. a movie that was amazing. Oh, I Stop feel like that happened twice. National Lampoon movies. Like, don't, other than Christmas Maybe. Vacation, just stop. Oh, Animal House is good too. Oh, and come on. I'd say the first, right, the first vacation is decent. Is- um, Christmas, but Christmas Vacation is amazing. Christmas Vacation is good. I got a lot of good, real specific nostalgia memories for that because it came out when I was like eight and it was real the perfect time for me for that. Um, you and me, buddy. But like, yeah, and then I'd say, you know, I like Animal House. Um, First Vacation's pretty good. After that, nah, man, get out of there. Especially nowadays yeah. where it's just like the, oh, where it's just like the, the also ran maker of uh, teen sex comedies at, like after uh, American Pie. Like, it's real bad. Fucking, fucking exactly correct. <laughs> Anything with National Lampoons in it, you should completely avoid other than the two movies mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah but- like, you are from somewhere else. <laughs> England or otherwise, Christmas Vacation. That is the movie you should watch. <laughs> I feel like people know watch this, not- but like I, Animal, I will say, Animal House is good. I like Animal. Yeah. Watch nothing else. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say, yeah, so I'd say, so again, O.C. and Stiggs, the two thing I know is that one, they're from National Lampoon and there was a movie. And two is that everybody talks, is that I've mostly heard them mentioned in, in relation to the fact that they inspired DR and Quinch. I feel like at this point, DR and Quinch are the stronger brand and things like that. Um, but yeah, they're good. I think it's fun. But so we've addressed the DR and Quinch elephant. So now let's blow shit up. Um, Ernie Quinch. He's a big alien college student. He's got tusks. Uh, he doesn't say that much. His buddy is Waldo Dobbs, who's called DR for diminished responsibility, and is kind of a goblin-looking alien with a pompadour. <laughs> They've both been suspended from college by a mean dean, so they go to have some fun. They rent a time flipper and then go back in time to the time of the dinosaurs on the planet Earth. 
Uh, they kill a bunch Shoot of them. Lizards, dude. Yeah, they f- they fly around in their super dope penis spaceship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look at it, you know. Um, it is exactly that. They blow up dinos and they use some thermonuke bazooka shells to reform the continents of the planets in the way they like. Hey, look at all this soup. I guess we should shoot it and then whatever. We'll come back when they're formed. <laughs> yeah, they eventually come back and spend the next few million years sort of trolling the living things of Earth. <laughs> they, they teach cavemen about war. They inspire the Egyptians to build the pyramids. They ignite Krakatoa, empty out the Mary Celeste, bean Isaac Newton in the head with an apple, and destroy some planes and ships around Bermuda, if you take my meaning. Um... <laughs> Around the 50s, they start doing some alien encounters and teach people some intergalactic terminology and, like, greeting phrases and stuff. After a quick prank on Neil Armstrong, they end also pausing quick briefly to destroy the West Coast of the United States. Uh, they... Wrong coast to destroy, guys. Hey, I'm fine with it now. I'm fine with it now. (laughs) I'm out of there. (laughs) Before I would take it personally. Um, But after that, uh, they help humanity reach the stars and get entered into the Galactic League. It turns out that the message of peace and join the Galactic League they gave them many years ago was actually kind of a rude phrase that makes everybody kind of chuckle. Like, oh my god, I can't believe they just said that. Um, at the big dinner, welcoming humanity to the League of Planets, which the no-good Dean from the start of this story is sure to be at because he's a member, the surface of Earth is shown yeah, and apparently... They, they pull a hole so long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah, well, they, apparently the uh, the continents of Earth say Dean Fusk is an is embezzling the canteen fun and Mrs. Fusk is a convicted shoplifter and their horribly ugly son Mark is a known snitch. Um, naturally, Earth is destroyed to lessen the embarrassment, but Dean Fusk has apparently died of it. <laughs> D-R- uh, my, my statement still stands. So long. And thanks for all the fish. Indeed. DR and Quinch are happily allowed back to school. Hooray! DR and Quinch will return in 1984. What I what I love is that he's writing a paper about yeah. his... It's like, like a what I did on my summer vacation story. <laughs> like, exactly. Paper. A DR is writing a this was my summer vacation for his his university paper. Or at yeah. least what I would I would expect is like an acceptance letter for secondary school and not university. <laughs> yeah. Um I just I just love D- this thing's so funny, man. Um, I just love how big of big jerks these guys are. <laughs> that it's all just like a prank and just a whole bunch of things. I think it's really funny. Do you know what? Do you know what isn't funny from this mm. original idea? What? The next time Twister being the exact same thing, but about fucking an ape. <gasps> I mean, kinda. Episode one hundred and nine, Progs three hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty-three, January nineteen eighty-four. Thrill to DR and Quinch. So, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Steve Potter. Oh man. So, this one is the start of the story. DR and Quinch go straight. We last saw these guys destroying the Earth as part of an extensive practical joke back in Prog 317. Jeez. Um, it's, you know, DR and Quinch, there's a big, one's a big tusked pink alien named Ernest Errol Quinch, and the other one's a lanky, Green alien with a pompadour who's named Waldo Diminished Responsibility, uh, Dobbs. That's DR. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're like college students that get into trouble. 
And they seem to spend a lot more time just sort of blowing things up and killing people than, like, going to school or whatever. <laughs> I feel like Trouble's a, yeah. such a light term Some say genocide. Some say Trouble, others say war crimes. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> they're just happy-go-lucky young guys who, like, tell their own story, you know? We, we open up and we see them in court getting read the riot act by a judge for a bunch of crimes. Uh, arson, kidnapping, theft, grievous wounding, possession of an unlawful atomic weapon, conspiracy to overthrow the government, uh, coveting thy neighbor's ox, grave robbing, all kinds of stuff. Forging sacred relics. <laughs> 714 separate driving offenses. Transmuting totally. base metals into gold. They're pretty much taking a well, actually. Like, they're just sort of sitting at the thing, like, listening to it. DR asks what the judge's name is. Um, and the next page, it gets really funny because we see, like, the, the camera kind of pulls out. We see that the court is completely full, ceiling to roof with people calling for their deaths, including. And, and like, riot police in the front. Yeah, they're all surrounded by riot police. There's several signs that say hang them in various languages and at least two Jeez. nooses. Um, oh, God. DR in his, like, sort of really, like, incredibly, like, supercilious way of speaking. Like, you know how, like, one of the funny things about, like, B- Bill and Ted, like, in, in that movie was they used, like, big words occasionally? Like, you know, like, that's when saying radical had sort of its own funny thing of just that's a ridiculous thing for a hippie to say in the first, or for, like, a, a, a down-out stoner to say in the first place, you know? Yeah. Like, DR and Quinch are like that hardcore. They just really speak in this, like, super, like, half beatnik, half, like, overeducated jerk kind of way, I guess. <laughs> We're fantastically, incredibly sorry for all these extremely unreasonable things we did. Exactly. Um, so DR in the courthouse apologizes. He says they're just a pair of messed up college students with their lives ahead of them and ask for another chance. And that seems to work. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to get a small cut to their sentence if they can show a shred of decency. Right. So they got to come back here in a month with proof of their charitable acts. <laughs> Um, so all right the boys decide to do this right away they blast into a library find the judge's address and learn the house next door to him is for sale and then they blast over to the home for for distressed war veterans and find their friend plunger plunger yes a veteran (laughs) of the fighting in the in the uh govogi slime jungles and ooh, he's just got some serious murder problems. <laughs> he's like he's killing that four-armed Teddy Goro bear. Yeah, just hates everything. Murders it to death. <laughs> After making sure that he'd be down with it, um, the boys head over to the Charities Commission and set up Massacre House, a charitable institution caring for threatening ugly men with guns and unstable personalities, right next door to the judge for their case. <laughs> I mean, they are giving these uh, war heroes a place so they can feel like maybe they're back in war times. Just like, you know, just really adjust to nothing. Yeah. But uh, it's safe, right? Plunger, Plunger and his guys show up from the home and just start playing crazy war games fueled by booze and high-grade weapons at Masquer- that Masquerade is <laughs> stocked with. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> they could do late night mortar, uh, 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 mortar firings. Just, uh, they tear up the whole yard, turn it into a trench system. It's good times. The judge is furious, but can't really do anything because it's for charity. Uh, and at the same time, DR makes a call and arranges for a visit from the Gavagan embassy for a few days from now. And then treat the wife, the judge and his wife to a series of late night mortar practices. Charity's its own reward. Uh, oh, God. So, DR and Quinch have set up a, established a heavily armed fortification in a suburban neighborhood. They're shooting guns all over the place. And then the judge, and when Judge Thork Wong complains, DR does some pretty snazzy, uh, weaponization of charity language and sympathy and like patriotism oh against him, you know? Like, <laughs> like Fox hey. says, these are war heroes that we're just giving a home. How can you, uh, be against that? You know, what do you hate the flag? Um, pretty much. <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> because of this, DR and Quinch are hailed as cool, charitable dudes by the mayor and stuff. And the, and, uh, Judge, uh, 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 Thork Wong, who's also, you know, a political climber, like all, uh, grownups are, um, like, takes credit for Massacre House being set up and stuff. Like, oh, yeah, so it was all my idea for these boys to, uh, start this thing. And the mayor's like, oh, very good, Judge. Like, you know, you've shown your good judgment once again. At which point, um, the, uh, Gavoji delegation arrives for a visit and all the kill crazy vets see this as a sneak attack and start, you know, shooting everybody. It's an international incident and the judge get, and the judge gets all the blame. Meanwhile, I mean, hey, we're back at war now. <laughs> yeah, the, the war restarts. It's, it's an interstellar incident as DR and Quinn sort of sneak away to hang out in a luxury hotel with the leftover money they got from the charities commission. Hey, why not? <laughs> So it's good times. <laughs> send up, send up your your largest bellboy who has a lot of credit yeah. cards. Yeah, the judge gets the blame and goes to prison. Pl- uh, Plunger gets re-enlisted in the military because the war is restarted. And Dr. and Quinch plan to feed a bellboy to a bathtub full of space piranhas. It's real good. Everybody wins, kind of. Mostly. I mean, in that quite a few people lose. Yes. <laughs> wow. Next up. It's DR and Quinch go girl crazy. Oh man, someone's going stuff. This time it's from uh, it's from uh, Quinch's perspective. No, so so far it's always been from Quinch's perspective, I believe. Really? Oh, I don't know. I th- maybe it jumps back and forth. Now that I'm thinking the last, about it. Yeah, it's so the last two were all uh, DR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and him just kind of rationalizing his insanity. <laughs> but these next two are going to be Quinch. Where he's sort of experiencing DR going through... Yeah, changes. <laughs> so, Quinch is driving around destroying things and reflecting on how DR is his only friend. He pops into DR's apartment only to find him pretending to be a real square to impress a cute dog lady named uh, Chrysoprasia. That's what I'm going to pronounce it. <laughs> yep, it, it has a real Archie vibe to it if Archie... <laughs> was made to be a homicidal maniac. Exactly. <laughs> DR says that Quinch is this guy from the slow reading group that he's been tutoring, and Cryoprasia thinks that that's just wonderful. Oh, um, you're so nice helping out the less fortunate. Yeah, DR is clearly both pissed at Quinch for trying to get in on his on his attempt to scam this chick, and he's pissed at Cryoprasia for requiring him to scam her. <laughs> yeah. They go to a youth club that Quinch has previously destroyed, and everybody, like, as he walks in, is like, no, please, I don't have any money. <laughs> Here, just take it and go. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it just seems like, you know, DR is just getting super booty blind by his new girlfriend, you know? He's, he thinks he's in love, and he says that since uh, Cryoprasia's father is like the head of the drama club, like he is the lead, he, he got the lead role in like this, in, the, in this play, and so practicing it's going to take a lot of time out from their hanging out, and this is basically, you know, sorry, like, I'm too much in love for us to go around destroying things. And so it's, what does Quinch do? It's he a does bummer. full red fucking dragon. Or yeah. as some people know, it's Silence of the Lambs too on this poor woman. Ah, yeah. I am changing. Do you see? Serious question, Fox. Is this the end of DR and Quinch? No. Nah, dog. Instead, Quinch does a sensible thing. Namely, he kidnaps Cryoprasia off the street, uh, takes her to his secret hideout, and forces her to watch videos of DR committing a seemingly endless string of atrocities. Well, I, it's just... I would say that this is is him a clockwork oranging her, oh, by the way. Yeah, except... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's she doesn't, like, tie her down or do, like, the eye toothpicks or anything. But it's the same way of just showing somebody a bunch of videos to change their personality, essentially. And the way she changes is uh, not that she's horrified. It's that she doesn't realize the kind of man he is and she wants to make him happy. So she turns into a psychopath. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. She goes real crazy. She, it changed. It, 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 Instead of br- causing her to break up with the DR, it breaks her personality and sees it be rebuilt as a, a, her new ultra-violent personality, Crazy Chrissy. Instead of her ears being pointed down, now she's a full pointed up, up dog. Pointed yeah. Ears. Yeah. Hey, what's an up dog, Fox? <sighs> also, have you seen my friend, D's Nuts? Um, anyhow, <laughs> she starts drinking Quinch's beer and goes to buy a tough new wardrobe, gets a tattoo, and is basically um, uh, Olivia Newton-Johnning from Greece all over the place. Wow. Yep, <laughs> Tell me about it, stud. Um, <laughs> lounging in the back of Quinch's car, she orders him to drive to the school play to show DR the new her. Uh, Quinch... DR is like nervous about what's happened and what's going to happen from this and stuff. <laughs> but he's also real afraid that Chrissy's going to rip his face off. And what are you going to do, man? Women. Am I right? Yeah. Lol, lol, lol. <laughs> can't live with him. Can't brainwash him out of your life. Anyhow, uh, next time, <laughs> a night at the theater. So this should teach any of you uh, younglings listening to this podcast that... Well, it may seem like a good idea to drive your car real fast, snatch a lady who's been hogging up all your boys' time, and then show her a bunch of horrible films that break her mind. Could come back to bite you in the ass. I mean, I feel like the official stance of Space Spinner 2000 is have a conversation before you kidnap, and probably don't kidnap at all. Strong agree <laughs> with the, that. It's definitely the record. 100% horrible. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> Don't don't arrest me. I didn't do anything. Um, anyhow. Wow. Episode 110. Progs 354 to 357. February 1984. Thrill to DR and Quinch. Oh, man. Script robot for DR and Quinch. Alan Moore. Art robot Alan Davis. Letting robot Steve Potter. So... In a, in a failed brainwashing-based <laughs> attempt to break up uh, Waldo D.R. Dobbs from his new girlfriend, Cryosprasia, um, Ernest Quinch has instead unleashed the murderous crazy Chrissy upon the world. 
<laughs> Which is a beautiful thing to behold. She really just wants to murder everybody now. She is a lovely lady with naught but murder in her heart. <laughs> it's real good. They're blasting their way to this theater where DR is giving a big monologue that, like, in a play that her dad is putting on. Yeah. The monologue's kind of fun because it's a mashup of, like, three different Shakespeare quotes while holding up a skull. Jesus. What light through yonder window breaks... It's Crazy Chrissy blasting everyone to Kingdom Come. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just busts in with a fucking flying car. Yeah. Shooting Shoot, Shooting everybody. Audience. Yes. She uppercuts her own dad when he asks what this is all about. And when the space... And, uh, <laughs> when the space cops show up, and yes, the space cops are warthog dudes. Um, oh, man. They're pigs. Do you get yeah, it? Yeah. It's, it's real, real... <laughs> Real hidden. Um, DR is forced to finger either Chrissy or Quinch for all the damage, and he accuses Chrissy because even though, like, DR is a, is a homicidal space maniac, he knows that it's always space bros before space hoes. Oh, um, man. Sad but true. <laughs> Quinch gives DR a new thorium bomb, and they ride off into the tactical nuclear sunset together. Aw, yay. Best friends forever. Something. Um, DR and Quinch. So next up, DR and Quinch wake up drunk, like amazingly fantastically drunk, but quickly sober up by when a letter from the draft board appears on their front door. Oh, man. They arrive. They're in the army now. I guess. I don't know how it all works. Um, you know, luck- <laughs> luckily, this is not something I've had a lot of personal experience with. Arriving right. at, yeah, arriving at the recruiting office and zapping a bunch of hippies, the boys only have one question. What kind of firepower do you guys got? Oh, God. And, and then they just have a gushing sec- uh, session with this fucking yeah. like, recruiter. After being shown some truly amazing guns by the recruiter, our heroes are happy to join the Space Marines. Um, and while, you know, their natural aggression really helps them, their antisocial nature doesn't, um, yeah. as they get training. After, like, you know, a good, like, couple days of training, they're sent off to a Gaia which we'll recall the boys restarted the war with last episode. It's a land of swamps, slime, and disease without a single expensive foreign restaurant to be found. No! The specifics, like the specifics of what Dr. and Quinch are into, is so weird. Yeah, it really fucking is. Because they also like fancy restaurants and like, uh, like, like food. Like, I think Dr. even talks about like eating like some vegan delicacy or something. Like yeah, that. no, it's just like, oh, maybe I was poisoned by this vegan food or something as a as a means to sort of push away his insanity it's funny to see the word vegan in 1984 i gotta say like i feel like that feels like such a a modern thing i guess but yeah so uh we start with a letter from dr to quinch's mom as we see our two fellows marching through the gyoji swamp or uh, well, well i mean quinch is marching as dr rides on his back uh, DR pleads for Quinch's mom to get them out of there. And in more violent news, while on patrol, our guys seem to have found the enemy camp. So they blast it with the bazooker nuker, only Hooray! for it to turn out to be their own camp. Oh, no. <laughs> After a series of incredibly vociferous excuses, DR and Quinch are tossed in the brig, specifically cubicle 15 with the man monster. Confronted by the beast, DR can only say one thing. How's it going, Polger? That's great. 
It's oh, their man, old buddy from last episode. <laughs> I love that it keeps coming back. And yeah. it's just more crazy than ever. <laughs> yeah, making a friend in military prison. These guys are going to solo their way out of here. <laughs> man. <laughs> Anyhow, the final prog begins with a poem. We could be sat on sun-kissed fields and watch the bufflunks grazing. Instead, we're locked up in Gaia Goji, which is, like, totally amazing. <laughs> I think that's kind of like the opposite of, of how they're feeling. It's weird, because he's very... He calls it his first incredibly sensitive war poem. That's right. <laughs> yeah, totally, like, locked in a penal dungeon. I got Again, I want to say that just the way that, like... DR and Quinch write with all these uh, likes and absolutely amazings and things. I feel I feel very seen by these <laughs> these comics. I, I feel like uh, you know Conrad, like, if you and I were homicidal maniacs, so yeah, how we, we deal with a lot of our problems. I really, I, I really like it's it's me- it messes me up a little bit. Um, like because I can understand so much what he's saying. I feel like you're one. I feel, I feel like like like. You know, if if you had a pompadour and I had slightly more tusks, we could be DR and Quinch really easily. Oh, man. If you had slightly more tusks, I <laughs> yeah. would be so into that. Totally. But it's bottom it's bottom tusks, not that top tusk or side tusk garbage. I don't I don't care for, I don't care for a side tusk. That's horrifying. I know, <laughs> Any, right? Anyhow, we're okay. locked in with DR, Quinch, and Polger and uh, and Polger, but Polger has a plan. Uh, yes, the plan does involve the frilly dress he's put on. They're breaking out. <laughs> oh man, it's great. It's got like a, it's got like a flower print. It's got a little bow on the top. It's low cut. Because, yeah, it's you know, it's low cut and and it's like more yeah and like hammed up to the hip too. Like this is a sexy garment <laughs> and, and very fit for his needs. You can see his back swole muscles and his yeah. giant gorilla arms. Polger knows he looked good. All right. Oh. But so they're they're breaking out. Poker has carved a huge gun out of a bar of soap. He has carved a uh, bunch of plastic explosives into a bar of soap. And he's got this escape hatch. Uh, his oh. plan is to use the dress to seduce some guards, then h- hide them in this escape tunnel he's also dug, and then they'll hold those guards hostage until they're until they're freed. It all makes perfect sense, except all of it. Why don't we just use? the escape tunnel that's what D- that's dr's point and paul just like ah oh, it's just crazy enough to work <laughs> <laughs> so they go into this tunnel and it's a really huge tunnel like gigantic and dr's like oh man like did you dig all this yourself that's really awesome that's he's awesome. like yeah. no nah, man this thing was dug by a gaigoji monster called a snufflegris a snufflegruff by the way because when it's looking for you it snuffles and when it finds you Egg ruffles. <laughs> That's good. I'm not the g- it's the noises super, they actually use. Super true. Yeah. And it's also a giant mole monster. It doesn't look very... That's got just a lot of teeth and a lot of anger. Um, mole monsters. I am not down on mole monsters. Yeah. Mole men, it, mole monsters, mole people. I'm sorry. Anti-mole. Uh, that's tough. The monster is not impressed by Polger's uh, soap gun, and so it's time to run. Uh, the... Boys escape and uh, they find another like hatchway thing that seems to lead into another cell or another escape tunnel or something. They head into it and they find that it's inhabited by. Oh man, it's crazy, Chrissy! Oh man, 
They're back. Oh. They're reunited finally after like two or three episodes. Yeah, real quick. All soldiers leave a girl behind that worships and adores them, but mine's here on Gaigoji 2, which is like unbelievably awesome. <laughs> I, like, he really likes to end situations where I don't think he's super happy with awesome. It's hard to tell how sarcastic it is or not. But anyhow, next time, the Snuffle Gruffs of War. Oh, that's awesome. Do they harness the power of the Snufflegruff? I mean, I feel like any and all bets are off when it comes to DR and Quinch. They do real ridiculous, crazy things constantly. I'm so into it. God, <laughs> fucking so great. Just love this, like, bizarre escape plan hatched by this this war veteran who they, who they started the war with. Everything is connected. Totally. They are the reason for everything. Yeah. No, it's real awesome. It's real, um, you know, Alan Moore just letting loose and, uh, and getting silly and stuff. I did read a funny article, a funny interview with Alan Moore for like 2080's 10th anniversary where he actually, um, apologized and completely disavowed DR and Quinch, which is ridiculous. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. We'll talk about it more in a little bit, but yeah, it's just a funny take on it. Episode 111. Progs 358 to 361. March 1984. Drill 2, DR and Quench. (laughs) That seems... Yeah, that's like me and you. I mean, you know, I don't think we ever served in the army together, but otherwise, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's not say never. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we're just college kids out here uh, killing, destroying things indiscriminately and trying to explain that it's not our fault. (laughs) (laughs) Script robot for D exactly. Script robot for DR and Quinch, Alan Moore, art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Steve Potter. So DR and Quinch, college students, aliens, idiots, and psychopaths have been drafted into the space army. But due to due to those last two qualities, the uh, idiot and psychopath part, uh, they were quickly put in the brig for accidentally nuking their own base. During an escape attempt, DR is bumped into another prisoner, his or I guess another person, just his old girlfriend <laughs> Cryoprasia, aka Crazy Crazy. Man, I'm glad she's back, because she was kind of, I mean, I liked her. But it only yeah. took him, like, a like one comic for her to no, come back. So I mean, I'm hoping couple, she's in it for the long haul, maybe. There's a couple in, in, in between, I'd say. Um, but yeah, she's not pleased to see him. She kicks the crap out of him and calls him a scumpot, so among other things. <laughs> it appears that in escaping the prison of their own guys, they've tunneled into a penal stockade of the enemy, the Gyoji. Chrissy explains that in be- Chrissy explains in between punches that she's had to work as a mercenary for the Gyogians in order to survive after escaping from the institution her dad put her in when she went crazy because of Quinch's brainwashing attempts. It could be worse, I guess. Yeah, it's something. The beating is interrupted by the return of Dr. and Quinch's buddy, Polger, in a hail of soap bubbles, because he's got that big gun that he carved out of soap. It's <laughs> real great. Presumably a very big bar of soap. Uh, he w- Serious question, though. Was he able to defeat the Snufflegruff in the tunnels below, <laughs> Fox? The answer's like, absolutely not. 100% no, he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, how was I going to do that? Now we got to run. <laughs> with, which, oh, which, it's real good. So now they're running through the forest with the Gyogians hot on their trail. They make their way through the slime jungles and right into the guns of the Space Marines. <laughs> Suddenly, both sides singing their fight songs bump into each other with DR and Quench in the middle. Charge! <laughs> so great. 
I, I love their little songs that they were singing at each totally. other. Totally. Yeah, the uh one's like a like a like a the ants go marching one by one kind of thing. And the other one's like a onward Gaiogian soldiers kind of thing. Dude. <laughs> so surrounded by soldiers, the DR wonders why they can't all just get along. He describes a vision he had where a fantastically <laughs> impressive baritone voice said we should all love each other or else, but no one seems to be buying it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Polger then tries plan B, which is to sort of vamp and say that he's a famous film actress as he wears his tattered evening gown. <laughs> and that seems, uh... to al- that seems to almost work. <laughs> but <laughs> suddenly a giant ship appears in the sky. Is it the baritone Whoa. voice DR talked about? <laughs> nah, man. It's Ernest's mom. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, no, yeah, it's a giant monster creature that just pours forth from the ship, squashes everyone to death under its massive feet, and yeah, yeah, it's 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 Quinch's mom, buddy. She's come to pick him up in response to Dr's letter last episode, where I believe he called Quinch an idiot like five or six times. Oh, I I'm just like. I'm so impressed at the nonchalance of her squelching a bunch of people. She just takes them all down, man. They fly off enjoying tea and scones in Quinch's mom's awesome ship. DR. Giant scones. It's really yeah, adorable. Like body sized scones. As he looks out the window, DR sees the answer to all the senseless violence that affects us as a, as a, as a galactic society. But you know, he didn't write it down, so it couldn't have been that important, <laughs> I guess. Um. <laughs> Man, you can't expect me to remember. It's just like, that's how things go. Yeah, you know, come on, whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, that's it for DR and Quinch. They'll return in Prague 366, 363 with DR and Quinch go to Hollywood. Awesome. I'm into it. Episode 113. Prague's 362 to 365. March and April 1984. Thrill to... Dear and Quinch. My bros are back in yeah. a great, great fucking story. This is a good one. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Steve Potter. Dr. and Quinch go to Hollywood. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we start off with our guys blowing up a photo booth. It might be symbolic. <laughs> Dr. and Quinch Jesus. are hanging out at a bus station. When an old guy shows up and asks them for money and, like, energy, because he asks for a credit amount and, like, for some uh, some millijoules or something. Yeah, it was weird. But who knows about this space stuff? He wants to get a cup of coffee. Um, he's clearly messed up and smelly, and that's the way DR and Quinch like him. <laughs> they, I guess, like, or at least are willing to tolerate his yeah. being around them. They get him the coffee, and he tells his tale. He used to be a Hollywood big shot screenwriter. God. Uh, Hollywood is a land of abbreviations, and apparently this guy, TJ, developed writer's block, and it was TTFY. Oh, my God. But he got two tickets back to Hollywood, which (laughs) I loved the physical manifestation of them actually being two tickets, but also hilarious. Yeah, just, hey, if you ever get over your writer's block, kid, come back to Hollywood, and we'll make you a star. It's awesome. You know, stuck, unable to figure out anything to write, TJ hit the skids, getting drunk on G&T, S&S, and BMs, and that just sort of was what he had for 10 years. Oh my god. He never used those tickets until now. Because he's finally written the perfect story. It'll get him back in the big time. He's super stoked about it. So stoked that he falls down dead. Oh my god. 
a super tragic turn of fate, and DR and Quinch are so moved by it that they resolve not to rummage through his pockets to find the screenplay and tickets to Hollywood for like a whole two minutes. Which, I mean, really impressive. Like, Absolutely. Easily a record. <laughs> they like walk past and say, oh, we shouldn't do it. Then they just, um, you just see a panel of them walking back, then looking back, then running back, you know? It's like, <laughs> or walking great. away, looking back, running back. Yeah. I, I love. Like, the start of this is already good, and it just gets better. Absolutely. So, uh, DR and Quinch have arrived in Hollywood. It's a planet, man. And any similarities between the former ho- the, the Hollywood on the former planet Earth is just a <laughs> coincidence, dude. <laughs> like, don't read into it too much. Yeah. The uh, one mugging and clothes stealing later, the boys are ready to fit in. <laughs> um, I really like how they mug these two guys. There's one fat guy and one thin guy. And uh, when they mug them, uh, Dr. puts on the fat guy's clothes and Quinch puts on the thin guy's clothes. <laughs> it's it's perfect. And they're just wearing like super like stereotype. Like they got like like I think Quinch Quinch is like a visor and like a uh, like th- a thing with big lapels and a frilly wig. <laughs> and like Quinch is wearing like jodhpurs and a big floppy hat and uh, and a monocle and stuff. It's awesome. It's real good. They and then the immediate next page is them flying through a window in well, yeah, a because arc. because D- dr knows the four rules of hollywood which is like make a big entrance <laughs> get noticed and if you got the other two <laughs> which really good because they just like just by acting like huge dicks everybody just starts talking about absolutely them. yeah they blast into a fancy restaurant and start ordering outlandish things in this case uh lobsters in prussian blue waistcoats Waistcoats. And so they instantly get noticed. This restaurant's full of Hollywood characters, caricatures, Fox, absolutely. Starting with uh, Alfred Hitchcock as BD, who's maybe like a reporter or a socialite or something. Yeah, I don't know. But he asks DR, what's up if he's going to make like a classic film here? And and DR's like, a classic film? I make legendary films. And he's like, I only use the top two actors, not the top five. You need the big six. He's like, big six? I use the big two. Yeah. And the big two, that means it's either Marlon or Bert. Whoa. Oh, my God. Everybody's going to whisper. So the restaurant is above with whispers about all this. And there's a ton of celebrity cameos here. There's a Jake and Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers. I know those guys right away. But for a lot of the rest ones, I want to shout out uh, the 2000 AD Hall, Hall of Homage website <laughs> for helping me identify this big room of cameos, including... Uh, Betty Davis, Robert Redford, John Hurt, uh, the Elephant Man, uh, John Merrick, uh, John Cleese in the role of the waiter for Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, um, <laughs> Otto Preminger, David Lean, and Britt Eklund. We also then see one of the big two, Marlon and his friends, clearly based on uh, Burt Lancaster and Peter Lorre, telling him that this new film is down to him or Burt and incest with incensed that his rival might get in a legendary film instead marlon storms over and demands that dr put him in his picture and that would be his first film being made in five years marlon is a big guy who's nine with a nine comprehensible speech pattern so it's cool <laughs> suddenly people are crawling all over each other to give dr money to make this movie the boys oh pot- my god <laughs> it's awesome this is how it goes you know, um, a young mechanic can be a panic with just a good-looking uh, hand, you know? Uh, anyhow, the wow. boys pile into Beatty's car, and Beatty asks them about the script. <laughs> uh, yeah, about that. We got the script. It's from this TJ guy. 
BD's like, oh, that's amazing. As you know, after all these years, as TJ got over the fact that his handwriting is completely incomprehensible to anybody else, and <laughs> DR decides to look at the script for the first time at oh, this God. point. Uh, what's the name of the movie? Uh, the third word is probably oranges in the title. <laughs> I love how the next episode is something, something, oranges, something. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, DR is happy on the outside, but sad on the inside as he's at the height of Hollywood fame, but he also understands about eight words of his script, which apparently has 57,000 pages. That might be Oof. a DR ex- um, exaggeration, but there do seem to be a lot of pages. <laughs> <laughs> I knows, mean, enough to where it looks like thicker than a book. Yeah, he knows the first, the, uh, there's the word oranges in the title, and one of the last words, one of the last sentences of the thing is, close the curtains, Jeffrey, I'm amphibious at the end. It's pretty rough. <laughs> but he's not quite sure about the amphibious part. Yeah, we see them. Wa- we, we see him wandering through this Hollywood set with all this crazy stuff going on, including like uh, crab robot ladies and stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh. Um, Eventually, though, they're starting shooting, and Marlon wants to read the script. Uh, DR hands it over, and Marlon looks at it, declares it a masterpiece. Or, a masterpiece. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he grabs a page from it and delivers an incredible, emotive, and powerful monologue of completely incomprehensible gibberish. <laughs> and everyone is just stunned. Applauds and is awestruck. At this point, uh, Marlon's manager, who looks like Lee Marvin, takes DR aside and confesses that Marlon's completely unable to read, but that this, because this combines with no one's ability to understand what he's saying, makes it all work out okay. He, uh, gives DR a payoff to keep it a secret, and then just kind of asks, uh, what kind of movie this is gonna be? Um, after getting a word in the script deciphered, DR says maybe it's set in a submarine? And what kind of movie is it? Buddy, it's a disaster movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Such a good punchline. Next time, The Towering Orange. <laughs> oh, God. Man, like, just the the second story of this, uh, of these four progs, and already it's, like, funny, it's awesome, it's snappy, like... I really like this DR and Quinch story, man. Yeah, it's a really good one, for sure. It's it's, it, it's a classic one, I think, for sure. Episode 114. Progs 366 to 369. April and May 1984. Thrill to DR and Quinch. Oh, man, this is so good. Oh. So, uh, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Steve Potter... So DR and Quinch go to Hollywood continues. DR looks very dejected as he starts the filming of the movie. The set includes heavy artillery, women dressed as giant crabs, and incredibly strange, awful, insane creatures with blowtorches. It's really great. It's everything you need to make a movie except one final ingredient. Yeah, like... 16,000 oranges. Yeah, and and a readable script, perhaps? Uh, (laughs) I mean, we'll figure that in post. Yeah, it's really taxing, of course, because the script is unreadable, and the star, uh, Marlon, is both illiterate and incomprehensible. Uh, 16,000 oranges are wheeled out as Marlon man- Marlon's manager asks what the heck like we're doing with this movie. And we tour the insane, mind-bending set, culminating in, of course, the giant mountain of oranges with a huge neon sign in front of them. It says, like, just, you know. It says, Don't Danger- touch the citrus fruit, man. Yeah, Danger, do not touch these monstrously hazardous citrus fruits, man. In neon. <laughs> it's real good. 
But that's not enough to warn off the uh, illiterate Marlin who grabs one and is crushed in an orange avalanche. Mind the oranges, Marlin. And that is the name of the movie. Absolutely. It's a stroke of inspiration as everybody involved with the movie prepares to beat DR to death. <laughs> and, of course, the thing that it would inspire DR to make the greatest film of a generation would be uh, someone's death. Absolutely. So with the movie complete, DR and Quinch are the are doing the talk show rounds. They talk first to Barry Normal, who's based on British movie talk show host Barry Norman. Things get touchy when he doubts the claim that Marlon died of natural causes, i.e. being crushed by thousands of oranges. <laughs> At that point. Yeah. Uh, your good old buddy Quinch just chokes him to death. Yeah. Well, he's just alive enough to send it back to Clive James, another famous uh, movie chat sh- show host who gives us a review and synopsis of Mind the Oranges. He calls it piquant and perplexing. The movie seems to be uh, pretty nuts. Just like, um, <laughs> just it's basically just like Quinch wandering around filming things as insanity occurs, like with like his arm reaching out and stuff. And it's funny because Clive talks about this being an intentional choice as opposed to just being a bunch of like alien psychopaths, like just having fun, basically. My favorite part is that uh, he references that scene, which apparently Quinch did a slow-mo of Marlon being crushed to death. By <laughs> it's amazing. Um, we cut to the studio chief, who's incredibly, a- who's incredibly angry. He swears revenge on DR, Quinch, and the scriptwriter TJ. <laughs> God, they're all done. It's true, but it seems the movie has in fact become a cult hit among the youth, like watching it Rocky, Por- Rocky Horror Picture Show style, like calling out key lines and key places and stuff. Jesus. <laughs> Meanwhile, DR and Quinch return home with the bo- secretly with the top, with the box office takings, and they find the body of TJ still lying in the curb of the bus station a month later. Hell, it's a bloody outrage. <laughs> This is horrible. What kind of what kind of dirt bags would just leave a dead body for this long? Yeah, seriously, it's a shame when suddenly TJ wakes up. Oh God! He must have had a stroke or something, but then just got better. He like comes to like right in mid in mid sentence. Um, but he's back and he's full of fire. He grabs his script and head off to uh, conquer Hollywood, not knowing the fate that awaits him. That showbiz, man. <laughs> that's so great. Also, the end, man. And that's pretty much the end of Dr. and Quinch, actually. Um, that's that's horse garbage. Sorry, man. This was real good. Yeah, definitely. There's another Dr. and Quinch story in the 2080 annual this year, and then mm. they'll return for some single page comics, like at, at the end of the of, of the prog, basically. In uh, in a 1987, but those won't be written by Alan Moore, so it's not quite the same. Ah, uh, okay. I was gonna say if there's anything that could actually stand to be a one page and and really do it, it would be this as opposed to say dash decent. Oh yeah, I mean I I forget exactly how good those are, but I remember them being okay, and it was fun to see those characters again. Um, but yeah, that's this is it for the progs 
for the progs of DR and Quench, you know, very, That's very right. sad. Just like, you know, a couple months and then we're gone. I do think it's really funny. Again, I, I, th- I think I said this before, like they, for at the uh, 10th anniversary of, of uh, 2008, they like asked Alan Moore about DR and Quench and he completely disavowed them. He's like, I don't remember Whoa. when I wrote the, why I wrote these, what I was thinking. They're weird and I no longer claim credit for them or something like Whoa. that. <laughs> Really? Cause yeah. I mean, this is good. I mean, yeah, okay, so you you fucking wrote skiz, but, like, at the very least, I mean, these guys deserve a home. They're beautiful. Yeah, I just think they might be a little bit more misanthropic for his taste at the time, you know? I got you. Episode 129, Sci-Fi Special 1985. Thrill 9, DR and Quinch get back to nature. Uh, scripture about Alan Moore, or about <gasps> Alan Davis, letter about Steve Potter. Yeah, I was 100% not expecting more Alan Moore, Alan Davis, DR, and Quinch. So this is a real treat right in the middle of this like random special for sure. It is awesome. Definitely. It, it, yeah. Just the, the, hu- the humor sits at a part. It's true. Yeah, so we have a, a kid writing home. It seems to be a kid writing home from his parents from Camp Apocalypse. Things are great um, as the counselors are showing them a whole bunch of nature things. How to tell the difference from mind-wrenchingly painful poison stingwort wart from plain old common bind wart. And the way you do it is you... Have a kid. Yeah, you throw a kid in there and see if they're in... <laughs> if, if they are. Uh, it was, by the way. And yeah, Waldo Dobbs and Ernest D.R. Quinch have become camp counselors. They have more fun. I, yeah. I love the way... Sorry, I love the way they're dressed as like really old fashioned English Boy Scouts with the big pants and the hat. And the, I don't, I don't know what um, scouting's like in, like in America, but we had nothing like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, here this it, it it felt really familiar for America, just sort of yeah, like a Boy Scouts or part like a sort of a Boy Scout slash Camp Ranger sort of thing, mm. and seemed really appropriate for like yeah, like a a, a boy like like a sleepaway camp or something like that. Mm. Um, like I always. Grenada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or like, um, like I kept, I swear, like twenty, like or no, I initially called this thing just sort of by by muscle reflex. Uh, Dr. and Quinch go to camp. Like uh, Ernest goes mm. to camp. I guess if you ever saw that one. But um, I'm aware of it. Yep. yep. Yeah. Back fair enough. <laughs> but um, it's the same sort of thing of just like yeah, this um, you know, camps where um, kids go for for a couple weeks and sort of see a tree for the first time or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so they have more. And, and, yeah. Sorry, Go ahead, please. Now I was going to say, and 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 uh, while Alan Moore is hitting everything out of the park with this, Alan Davis's art is beautiful because there's just so much happening in the back. Yeah, absolutely. We see, yeah, all their all their fun camp adventures. They're like shooting down birds to better identify them. What kind of bird is it? Oh, it's too far away to tell. Bam! All right, now it's close. What kind of bird is it? A dead bird? Yep. <laughs> they're they're starting fires with napalm blasters, and then learning how to survive forest fires, uh, how to how to forage for food by robbing uh, local stores. That's- oh, and the love the balaclava on that little kid as he's handed the gun. Just point fires in the air, and if you take it, you any look. <laughs> they uh, go to uh, play with a uh, giant uh, monsters, misreading the guidebook, and a uh, and a and a confusing docile beasts with man-eating predators which is pretty excellent uh, um, oh i turned two pages at once man hang on <laughs> oh that's and, 
as the cops close in and, you know, we hear police helicopters with like, you know, like a dub, surrender and come quietly. <laughs> as this happens, we see that the uh, letters might in fact not be written by, by the uh, kids as the parents get in, uh, in instructions to arrive at camp, leave their cars running with the keys in the ignition, and then from <laughs> this fiery hellscapes, as the cops, as, as the uh, police officers again roll in, the letter concludes, and, da- and Dr. and Quinch leg it to safety. No one has appreciation for nature these days, man. That's right. <laughs> it's like Innsville, man. <laughs> it's great, and it's just this like two page like splash in color of just this like this war zone in this camp as like all these kids and parents are sort of t- are attacked by these cops and stuff and you just see like dr and quinch like making full looney tunes like you know running moves <laughs> as they go it's really amazing it is and and i said before there was one thing that i remembered really really fondly and i got the monthly collected dr and quinch and that just that was a cla- stone-cold classic for me for a long time. Episode 165, Progs 523 to 526, May and June 1987. Thrill 8, DR and Quinch's Agony Page. Oh, man, I love these guys, and I love that they're in color. Yeah. No, scripted by Jamie Delano and Alan Davis. Um, art is uh, art robots for pencils is Alan Davis. Inks and color Mark Farmer. Lettering robot Steve Potter. Dior and Quinch are back. Oh, fuck yeah. Looking stylish. Pompadours yeah. in place. Definitely. Last seen in May 1984 or the 84 sci-fi special, these space misanthropes have returned with a new writer to dispense advice to troubled readers. Hey, sure. Why not? Yeah, it's a single-page comic, usually the back of the prog in full color, and I think it does a pretty good job of resurrecting, like, the madcap violence of the original. You know, yeah. definitely n- not not the last time one of Alan Moore's characters has been taken over by other writers, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. The first letter, and, and it takes the format of them answering letters looking for advice, basically, and then getting mm. crazy. The first letters from Worried and Wakefield, who can't stop chasing small furry animals. The boys suggest this isn't a big problem. You just got to embrace your predatory instincts. Wow. And hey, if you catch them, you can cook them up and impress Quinch's mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, whatever. Next up, DR and Quinch are tired of you thinking that they're answering letters just to spread violence and suffering. And but- then they answer a question from Baffled in Oxford about their milk constantly being stolen when it's delivered, which what? Well, I just I can't imagine a world where there's actually a milkman delivering milk. But I guess that's still the case. And I can't believe England. that in the world where milkmen deliver milk, that someone would be a fucking milk thief. That's pretty messed up. And that's why the boys suggest massive retaliation, filling Fuck a milk yeah. bottle with an with the unstable liquid explosive Megadeth Flash, wait for the milk to be uh to be stolen, and then wait for the boom to figure out who's been doing it. I mean, exactly. How else are you gonna know? Also, if all you have is a uh, stale cornflakes because you have no milk, you can just sell them on the planet Glowlock 3, where such things are an expensive <laughs> delicacy. Hey, why not? What a, you know, these guys are just helping everybody out. They see all the angles, dude. Mm-hmm. Episode 166, Progs 527 to 530, June and July 1987. Thrill 6, DR and Quinch's Agony Page. They have some really 
definitely good ideas for you to do. <laughs> Crazy adventures, buddy. Uh, script robot Jamie Delano and Alan Davis. Art robot Alan Davis. Link about Steve Potter. I don't. Um, I, I don't think I mentioned this last time, Fox. Hmm. But it's called an agony page because in England, advice columns are usually answered by like an agony aunt or uncle. Oh, like that's the that's the character that a- answers advice pages in a similar way of our uh, dear Abby or Ann Landers, you know. Understood. Answered by uh, these twin old ladies that just answer people's problems in the newspaper. Um, anyway, Lonely in Kettering is worried about acne, but the dudes tell him not to worry. We see that Quinch has dayglow acne to go along with his fedora suspenders and fishnet shirt look. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's, a very, it's a very interesting thing going on there. Indeed, uh, he's swarmed by ladies, and DR also suggests to use facial acne as a weapon of terror, as taught by Ugh. Lan Sing Boyle, oh, 14th gross. Dan Blackhead. Blech. That's right, Dr. Pimple Popper, eat your heart out, buddy. Uh, the next letter is from some students about to graduate, and they're nervous about it. Dr. and Quinch have the ultimate answer, which is, of course, to resort to totally violent violence, blow up the place, and then chill out in the wreckage. Which, uh, you know, definitely does look a lot more orange than it was, like, purple and gray. I mean, you know, I've had I've had post-grad plans that were less detailed than that one, so that's reasonable. <laughs> um <laughs> In a letter from Gavin Akendon in Birkenhead, the, he asks how to buy tactical nukes on Earth, and DR admits it's tough. It's a tough thing. Suggests mm. they go about it the simple way, which is load up your hover car, fight your way into the Pentagon, and take them for yourself. But mm. because they've already done that, you'll have to go a different route. <laughs> suggests buying them from guys like Ollie North, Saudi businessman Adnan Khashoggi, uh, Mother Care, which is the maker of like baby stuff in England, Sylvester oh. Stallone, and or Ronald Reagan. Um, what? Or you can make them yourself with Dr. and Quinch's pamphlet on DIY weapons of mass annihilation. Oh my god. It's a good pamphlet. Finally, under a pile of letters, a question comes from a large fella named John Naylor in Salford. Um, should he become a psychotic killer of skinny people? Hmm. The boys say yes. Just like Quinch's <laughs> giant murderous mom. Size is like liberation, man. It's fantastic. I really these, love these. They're so uh, horribly bad, but like so well within character. If that makes yeah, sense. they just spin off to like overwhelming evil so quickly that it makes it kind of fun for sure. It. I mean, like, and and I think they they do a good job of bringing that that dr and Quinch feel as well. Um, yeah, like, are these yeah, they, actual letters from readers? <sighs> Hard to I'm say. not sure. Like, I'd be interested to hear one way or another because they did spend like like weeks ask like soliciting four letters. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in the Prague, so I gotta think they have some. Although, like later we'll see that maybe some of like they might start off real and then later they turn into other things or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a real you know this is a fun series. I think they do 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 a really good job of bringing back this sort of um and anarchic like crazy dr and quinch run around doing ridiculous things that was from yeah. the original stories you know like 
I think DR is a little bit less overwrought in his writing than the original Alan Moore stuff, but you know, that's just sort of to be expected, yeah, I think. Exactly. <laughs> different writer, different mantle yeah. kind of thing. Episode 168. Progs 531 to 534. June and July 1987. I say Death to Kings, and who agrees with me? The anarchic fellows of DR and Quinch. I sure. Seven. <laughs> Why not? Love these boys. Script robot Jamie Delano and Alan Davis. Art robot for, for pencils Alan Davis. Inks and colors Mark Farmer. Letting robot Steve Potter. The boys, DR and Quinch, they're answering your letters, this time from Steve Bint of Chamberley. He's tired of these jerks at the DHSS office being real mean about not handing over that sweet, sweet unemployment money. Hey, give me my cash. Give me my cash. The boys, yeah, the boys suggest just having some confidence, marching in there, and signing your name by shooting it into the wall. (laughs) Seems to be pretty forward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Without even a letter next, the boys just give it out love advice surrounded oh, by chicks and wearing their Saturday Night Fever suits. When suddenly, a shadow appears out of the frame. It's Crazy Chrissy! I may actually be in love with Crazy Chrissy. She's pretty good. She's beaten up and tied up the guys, and now she's answering letters. Sure, why not? The first one is from Anonymous, and she basically says uh, that she doesn't date guys who aren't man enough to use their names. So you just got to say your love of this alien um, temptress loud and proud, Fox. Beautiful. She she also tells uh, Neil Beatham that he can't get a date with Halo Jones because she's in the future, but you could probably find her many times great-grandma out there. Like, there's probably hundreds of Halo Jones grandmas. Yeah, to be um, perfectly honest. Out out there in the 21st century, you know? Just the way that stuff works. Um, With DR and Quinch still tied up and beaten, Cryoprasia has gone full Dame Edna answering your letters. Yay! This one's from J. Dean in Liverpool. How do I get the boy I like... That doesn't even know I'm alive to notice me. Chrissy can answer this one from experience as he punches (laughs) DR right in the face. Um, The answer, of course, is subtlety, Fox. Mm. Grab all their favorite stuff, including like video nasties, screaming corpses, laser discs, and thermonuclear sidearms, and store them all in an instant vapor disintegration unit linked to a remote control with a hair trigger. Soon, they'll give you some proper respect or get what's coming to them, as indeed DR is now happily kissing Chrissy's feet. Yeah, some weird BDSM stuff that this chick is into. I mean, I think she's into a lot of things, and (laughs) some of it might be a little more violent if you aren't careful about it, you know? Yeah. Keep in mind, this is like, um, she started out as like a high school student, but eventually got so mad from DR that she had to uh, become an intergalactic mercenary. Hey, sure, why not? She's awesome. But- and But with that revelation, this sadly is the end of DR and Quinch. What? Yeah. No. Like uh, Halo – this is the end of this series and basically it. Like Halo Jones herself, they'll be back in Prague 120 uh, – no, sorry, in Prague 1280 for the 2080 25th anniversary. Damn. But even that's for only a brief camo – cameo, I should say. Um, stay cool, space bros. Mind the oranges. Love you, DR and Quinch. Yeah, man. I didn't know. I love you guys. So fantastic. Yeah, always fun. I thought this was pretty well done, honestly. I yeah. mean, it doesn't, like, it, it lacks some of the, like, uh, Alan Moore, like, insane overwriting of, sure. of, of, of words and stuff. But I think this was, like, nicely anarchic, which is what you're looking for with DR. Do you know why I dislike 
uh, Future Shocks as much as I do. Why is that, Fox? Because they're not DR and Quinch's agony page. That's super fair. <laughs> DR and Quinch have left the building. They'll return for a brief cameo on the 25th anniversary prog. And of course, live on in a thousand Judge Rogue, Strontium, whatever, DR and Quinch fan arts in the, in the letter pages of 2000 AD. Alan Davis would go on to do one or two more things in 2000 AD, including the Batmugger story, then head to the U.S., where, of course, he'd work on the superheroes, including Excalibur, which features the uh, Captain Britain character that he and Alan Moore revamped in the early 80s. Alan Moore, meanwhile, will go on to do a number of things, but for our purposes, he'll continue to tell the stories of space teenagers, which we may be discussing soon. Top DR and Quinch moments! Like I said before, I really like the little hints about the uh, the punchline hidden in Have Fun on Earth. It's a real well-crafted joke, and that's so rare in Future Shocks, Time Twisters, Robo Tales, whatever, which tend to be a bit ham-fist in the comedy department. Hence, you know, the air horns. Next, Crazy Chrissy. No discussion of DR and Quinch. Could be done without mentioning Cryoprasia, a nice alien dog girl that Quinch manages to brainwash into a beer-swilling murderous space mercenary. Ah, uh, it's great. I just want to not hang out with her, I guess, because she'd kill me, but like observe her mayhem from afar is what I want to say. Third one, Hollywood! DR and Quinch, go uh, go to Hollywood is a great satire and a total madcap adventure. Come for the outfits, stay for the oranges. What do you think of DR and Quinch? Humorous teen adventures? Lightweight twaddle gets in the way of more serious thrill power? Let me know what you think by email at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else that goes Space Spinner 2000, we should be there. You can find Space Spinner 2000, the podcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site, SpaceSpinner2000.com. Thanks for listening this, to this Space Spinner 2000 collection. We'll be back soon with more awesome 2080 action. Until then, I'm Conrad, and this has been the Space Spinner 2000 collection for DR and Quinch. Splendid for three.